Hi everyone. Listening to these podcasts may bring up some strong emotions for you. Please allow yourself to find a comfortable space and reasonable time afterwards for nurturing and self-care. Thanks for listening. Hello, Jerry. It's really lovely that we can be together again to do another wonderful podcast. Ah, super happy again, Jan. After editing last week, just realised how much I enjoy just this kind of free discussion around your um, wonderful words. It's awesome. And this one's sort of a, 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 it's quite a passion of mine to be able to talk about um, the term difficult conversations that you might have with your children and what that might mean. So this is like, uh, again, another like deeper dive into one of the podcasts that you did. Uh, And I've noticed we've gone from like Jan doing sort of three to four minute podcasts and now we're having like half hour real good investigative discussions around them, which is fantastic. You get to share so much more. So when you talk about um, difficult conversations, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes parents can really struggle with having deeper conversations around feelings with their children or significant caregivers uh, of a child. And it can mean that they won't uh, completely be able to talk openly about something that they feel may upset a child or they're too young to hear about uh, sad feelings. I don't want to upset my child. So that's why I, I label them perhaps difficult conversations because sometimes a parent might balk at having a, a so, certain discussion with their child, especially around deeper feelings. So what sort of, um, can you give us an example of what one of those, say, difficult discussions would be? Okay. Well, it could be that um, a parent, the other parent may become quite ill and the parent might think, the other parent might think, well, I don't want to let my child know that their father is ill. I don't. I want them to know that they're going. He's going to be. He's going to get better, and they mightn't be able to have a deeper discussion around what that illness is about. And of course, this is always going to be age appropriate. So people do need to know that perhaps they could be able to say, for example, Daddy's going into hospital for a while, he's, he's not well at this stage and we're just going to sort of be able to sort of just wait and check to see how Daddy is going and um, we're all going to be sending Dad positive messages. Mm, so rather than pretend everything's okay yes. or make something up or just pretend that's not happening, we're actually confronting it and, and bringing it out into the open for the child. Yes. And as you say, age appropriate. Of course, yeah. Mm. And a little bit, um, if they're a little bit older, that could be for a young one, if they're a little bit older, they could actually name what the illness is Mm -hmm. and that the doctors are there to look after Dad and they're doing everything that they they can in their medical field and we're going to be there to support Dad and we're going to wish him well and we're going to be sort of... um, making sure that we can feel comfortable too with how we feel about what Dad's going through too because it's important for us to be able to talk about what we're feeling about what Daddy's going through. So there's obviously so many of these conversations that potentially we could have with our children at at different ages 
that we as adults and parents probably shy away from mm. ongoingly. Mm. And so you're advocating that uh, more openness in, in that parental communication and, and actually sharing whatever's going on. And what's, what do you see as the benefit of that? Well, it, it, because a child, because mum, obviously, if dad's in hospital, is going to be sad. She's going to be concerned. She's going to be even worried uh, about some of the possible outcomes. So to say, to put on a happy face and say she's okay and so, I'm, you know, everything's fine, that's not going to be helpful to the child because they're going to say, well, mummy says she's fine but she doesn't look fine and now I'm really worried about mummy. So it's not only dad that they're worried about, mm. it'll be mum. So a lot of mixed messages. A lot of mixed messages. So if mum could actually say perhaps I'm really starting to feel just a bit sad because dad's in hospital and I just don't, not quite sure what's happening right now. I'm just checking in with the doctors and I'm going to be okay and I'm going to let you know as much as I know and, and we can talk about it. So if you've got any anything that you're concerned about, come and talk to mummy and we can talk about our feelings together. It sounds like, uh, and I know we touched in this previously, it sounds like this is a great way to begin to build an emotional resilience and emotional maturity in young people, in kids. I'm, uh, as you know, Jerry, I am so passionate about this. It's so important from a very, very young age for children to know that anything, any feeling is is absolutely okay to have, that they can know that they can share, they can be able to trust in a significant person in their life to be able to share a feeling. Holding on to feelings is very detrimental to a child's wellbeing and I've always been outspoken about the fact that I believe, especially after writing my two children's books, that the uh, child who has a wonderful understanding of feelings and can talk about them to somebody that they feel safe with has a better way of handling difficult situations when they get into the teenage years. And why is that, do you think? Well, I think if there's if feelings are blocked, if they're not being able to be talked through and uh, understood, because I think that's the key word with feelings about being understood. Because sometimes people don't understand their feelings. I think people. I think in. I mean, <laughs> as an adult, I think we don't understand feelings sometimes. No, as well. It's confusing sometimes. What what's happening is, and I think that um, around their teenage years, if they have that understanding. Okay, I I know I'm feeling really sad or I'm feeling angry, I'm really feeling angry, whatever it is, then uh, they may have a better understanding of how to handle the situation, that they handle the way they're feeling. So um, when you talk about feelings, like are you, you said angry, sad, are you talking about feelings as in the physiological response to thoughts like this is how, you know, my, my hands are sweaty, my, my stomach's churning. Uh, I'm, I'm breathing heavy, or are you talk, 
is, is that what you mean by feelings, like our physical feelings or? Bodily reactions. Uh, I think also it's also those deeper withdrawals that people have, which can be quite scary. I mean, if they're showing their emotions by, by perhaps bodily um, reactions and getting angry, they are expressing, whereas the other part of this is withdrawing and withdrawing into themselves, not being able to talk because they don't know how to, is of great concern because uh, they're not able to handle their emotions or they're not be able to handle their feelings. So they don't know what to do with them. So this is this is often, well, from from what I have experienced over the years with in counselling, often um, the place where they will uh, the withdrawal can be a concern around where they're at with suicidal feelings, mm. etc. Mm. I remember um, I'm reading. Uh, many years ago uh, about a, a concept that we become emotionally kind of locked at the time of trauma when it's not expressed and when it's not processed so that as we get older and older as adults, when that particular environment is met again, we then act out of that age that that trauma was locked away at. And I, I can really relate to that because I remember when I was acting out in, in a rageful place, really feeling like that was a six, seven-year-old boy in a 30-year-old man's body mm. acting out. And I look back now and, and I'm aghast at that but also so sad that there's a little boy in there raging because none of that was processed back then. Mm -hmm. And... You mentioned your books previously about explain a little bit about the help how they help that process of unlocking that or not storing that away. Well, the reason why I wrote them, the Good Bad Feelings Diary, and the reason why I, I called it the Good Bad Feelings Diary, written for children from an, an early age up to about eight or nine, where the parents can read to them or they can read, read themselves as they get a bit older, is because they, the feelings are so important to be able to know that parents can share and talk to their children about that. And it was a, it was a real concern of mine because I, I've done a lot of parenting groups. I've run, run a lot of parenting groups and I came across so many of my parents in the groups. When I talk about feelings and sharing feelings with their children, they said, I don't want my child to see me sad. And I'd, I'd say, well, if your child can't see you sad, how will they ever know that they've got permission to be sad and to show their sadness? So it was always really wonderful to have a discussion with a parent who had that thought. And then that's the reason why I thought, well, I'd like to write this book around that, which I have done, and I've written a, a part of it for about men and sharing their feelings with with their children as well, and in particular a boy. They've drawn it up as a boy with a boy, man and a and his his son. But then I thought I'd like to make make another book for the children. So I call it my called it my very own good bad feelings diary. 
good bad feelings meaning any feeling is <laughs> it's can be it can be deter- interpreted as good or bad. Mm. It's just an interpretation. It doesn't mean the feeling is bad. So it's my, this book is my good bad feeling story workbook. So it's written so the children can write daily in their, it's their book. They write it up as themselves. They've got a little page where they can write all their info in, and then they write each day their feelings. They can draw in there if they want to, and then at the end of the week, they write and draw up about the week and their so feelings. You're almost getting helping children identify what is a feeling or an emotion that they're having at that time. And mm. are they the same feelings and emotions? Is like are they interchangeable? I really like it. Like the, around that, um, I just prefer to read the statement, which I think makes it more clear, um, which says, uh, emotions are associated with bodily reactions. Feelings are the conscious experience of emotional reactions. So feelings are the physical? Yeah. Feelings are the conscious experience of it. Okay. They're feeling that emotional reaction. Mm. So there's a reaction um, in the body and then the feelings are the conscious experience of it. So we interpret a physicality as something. And other people, some people's interpretation would be different, obviously. Like mm. for me, I, I get a feeling in here when I'm violated, but yeah. other people might get a feeling in there when um, it's dark or when they're frightened or when they're alone, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that in in enabling a, a child to identify what that is, mm. there's almost like de-triggering that, hey. Mm. Like it's almost like taking its power away. Yes. And that's why I've always said to parents, even when sometimes parents will come to me with very great concerns about what their children have drawn. I always say to them, they say, look, this it's all black, it's all horrible. I always allow parents to know when, when they see their children drawing in this book of theirs, whatever they're drawing is what they're feeling. They're getting it out. And that's the benefit of the drawing because they're actually releasing what's inside of them and they're putting it out on paper. And then it can be um, if the parent, I always try to help a parent understand that it's, it's, it's okay for that child to do that and to allow them to know that that's the release. And if they're needing, of course, if this was going on for a fair while and it was sort of quite disturbing drawings, then they might need to go and speak to somebody. Because there's a lot it. of stuff in there that's coming yes, out all the time. Coming out. And however, about the parent allowing this to the process to occur and then just checking in with them. You know, checking in that how, uh, if, whether there's anything that anybody they'd like to talk to, that sort of thing. Mm. Not being so concerned about what is actually on the paper. Well, that's that's kind of revolutionary because I think if a child would come home, you know, with with like an ang- angry faces and and lots of kind of scribble and scary scribble like that, it would be really easy to react to that as an adult, as mm. a concerned adult, and, and either shut those feelings down or escalate them, mm. rather than just go, "Thanks for sharing." What's going on? Wow, that's really great that you could share that with me. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And what would you like to do? Would you like to talk about what you've drawn? Uh, whatever. Mm. You know, so you're, you, you're having that open discussion about 
that what whatever's in front of you or whatever the child has drawn, and then and and if you've got that good open relationship with them where they can share, then it's easier for them to be able to talk to you. And then for so on and so forth, like as they get older and older, mm. as hard as those, because probably difficult conversations for a four or five-year-old versus difficult conversations with a 14, 15-year-old, very different scale of difficultness, I'd imagine if that's a word, yeah. <laughs> scale of difficulty. Mm. Um, but by the time they get to that 14, 15, you're almost in in the process of, well, it's okay, I can share anything mm. and and because mum and dad will listen to that and I won't be judged and I won't get labelled. And I think labelling of feelings, like um, it, you know, I used to think that sadness, anger, all those, all those dark feeling emotions, feelings were bad. Mm. <laughs> and I think when when you start not labeling them as bad, but just yes. labeling them as yes. feelings, there's neither bad nor good. And I, I see that's why you call it good bad feelings yes. because they're just feelings. Yes, because uh, that's exactly right. I thought, well, I felt that was just the easiest way of of, of bringing it out because. Uh, then we can explore it mm. in the book around any feeling that, and that's what is in the book. It's all about any feeling that comes mm. up, and the fact that even though they they can be released, it doesn't mean that it it won't happen again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and and, and then eventually it could be, eventually it could be celebrated when it's happening because it's it doesn't have its power over you. You're not. You're not a puppet to that feeling. You're actually being able to observe that feeling and experience that feeling for what it is. Yes. Which is quite a healthy thing yes. to process, hey? Yes. And so, and then it's about um, them knowing, the child knowing that, okay, well, I've got, I know that they might know how to, to soothe themselves. A parent might then be able to allow them to know how to, what, whatever the soothing needs. It could be their cuddly toy, it could be a warm bath, it could be, um, whatever it is, it could be just to go out and kick a ball after after they've been able to express their feelings, not to cut them off from the feeling. So because often parents will try to get their child out of the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, their child needs to be able to fully know that you can, they can trust that person, that significant person in their life to fully understand the feeling. So their feeling is validated. It's not pushed away. Mm. And not judged. Not judged. It's fully accepted for what it is. Yeah. And I always just say, let the parents know that allow them to express it. You can say, wow, that must have been really hard for you to, to have that happen when that person said that to you today or whatever it is. And then let them just say, and then the child will start to think, mummy, mummy gets it or daddy gets that, you know, gets me. So they've validated. Then they might want to breathe and just settle them down. After they can recognise that that's what's happened, they're coming down. Would you like us to go and make that cake? You know, will we go and make the cake? So you, but you, you don't. You make sure that the child is fully expressed where they're at with that feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'm just, I'm really. What you're saying is such a. I don't even know what the word, a healthy way to allow a child to express what they need to express and then 
build up the skills, not only of expressing feelings, but also of self-soothing mm. and self-management. I think that's that literally that I only learned about self-soothing when I was doing Men's Behavior Change with Relationships Australia when I was like 38 years old, 37, 38 years old. Literally the concept of me managing and caring, nurturing myself wasn't even on my radar. Like as a child, as a teenager, it was always something to be found outside, mm. either with someone else, with a relationship, with with um, with drugs and alcohol, something else outside to go and and usually it was about distracting feelings, but also to make me feel better, go and find something. Mm. The concept of to be able to put that into young people, the resilience that that would build, the the ability to cope with whatever life throws at you, is that, that's an amazing gift to give someone. I always call it a gift. I always have said this is a gift you can give your child. I always have said that in all the parenting groups I've run. This is a gift you can give your child. So a child comes home and they've had a, they've been, um, say someone said something mean to them at school, um, that they're feeling upset and they're distressed. And I'm, I know you've already said this, but I, I feel it's so important. It's great to reiterate it. How do we, what do we do? It's not just to get over it here, have an orange and a biscuit and mm. glass of orange and a biscuit and go outside and play. You'll be right. What do we, how do we approach that? It's about um, the child being able to say and the parent knowing that that child is really upset. And it's not so much buying into what happened. It's about the child wants to know that the parent gets the feeling that, the, that they've got. So it could be a simple statement I say to the parents I've worked with, geez, it must have been really hard that, that happened to you today. And it's not about saying they had no right to do that or that shouldn't have happened because it's still not addressing the feeling that and the child... And that's child's, what needs validating that, is the feeling. The, the mm-hmm. feeling needs validation. Of course, if it was something serious that had occurred to the child, the feeling still needs to be validated before anything further happens. Sure, the, the parent might have to, for instance, something happened at school, might need to ring the school and check in. Yeah, sure. However, the feeling needs to be validated first, work through with the child where they're at, and then are, are offering whatever support they might want or for them to be able to do something but not as a distraction from it about but but sort of just working through it for that stage. And do you think, like I wonder where that distraction thing has come from because like it, I I think you touched on it in your um, podcast when you are talking about grief is that I think we've sort of learnt to feel uncomfortable around other people's raw emotional, raw emotions and raw feelings and and the expression of those. I remember seeing a funeral in Egypt and was just so taken aback by the massive, loud, open, raw grieving that these women and men were doing through the village, carrying the body on on like a... um, like a, a timber board wrapped up, almost mummified through this village um, out in the desert and the screaming and wailing that was going on. And yet 
there was something so wholesome about that. It's mm -hmm. like they're feeling their pain but they're expressing it and they're getting it out. And I think it was Victoria Wood, the British comedian, she talks about how, you know, English people, they butter cucumber sandwiches at funerals. That's the way they process their grief. And But it's, you know, as flippant as that is, it's also quite telling that it's like as a culture, our society does not appreciate big verbal outpourings of grief in that way. No, and that's right. And uh, like if it's an incident uh, around a child, I don't know, even if, if being bullied or something at school, uh, it can be the other part of that can be, I'll oh, just get over it, get on with it mm. or whatever. Let's not and have a feeling about it. Let's not talk about it. Let, you, you just, you know, just get over there and, and do what you have to do when you, when you get to school, whatever it is. Mm. But it, uh, as far as grief is concerned, yes, it's exactly the same thing because uh, it, nobody really wants you to continue to be sad. It's That's almost right. like... Um, because they see it as a negative, hey. It's, well, you know, it's been six months. You just just get on with your life. Come on. Mm. That sort of thing. And that's ingrained in our culture, mm. I think. And it starts from very young. You know, it's, and it. It's, and is, is that an embarrassment thing? Is it an awkwardness with other it, people's. Some people truth? don't like to see other people grieving or sad because it upsets them. Mm. And because they, we don't want to confront what what is in us, yeah, that we don't. And often the other person won't know what to do with the person that's grieving. Mm. It's easy for that person to just to get over it mm. and move on because they don't want to see it. They don't know what to do about it. Mm. And so, in, by the same token, we've we've learned that growing up, we've learned that going into adulthood, we've learned that at you know family events where we don't discuss things. And so, when our child comes home and and has a feeling that might be a little more above or below baseline, we don't want that expressed. Here's a, here's a biscuit, go out and play mm. kind of thing. Yeah. So what happens to those um, when we get into that habit of squashing that stuff down and not feeling safe to express that? Where does that go? And so you're talking about... The with feelings the, like the, the child or the yeah, parent? I think I think as a child, child. where I think, does it go? Yeah, if we're not encouraged to express, what's what's the result of that? It's my fear is that, uh, especially in adolescence, that they are not going to be able to even reach out for any support, uh, and to be able to talk openly about where they're at. They're squashing everything that feeling, often. Uh, um, teenagers will often uh, gravitate toward other teenagers that feel the same as them or react and behave similarly. So uh, then they feel they're getting the comfort in that um, because the other other one understands them. It's an, it can be detrimental to them. However, to them it, it's it's good because they feel. Connected Support, to something. Yeah. 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 That's their um, tribe. Yes, yes. So then it's um, can also be that very great fear that it, they eventually won't be able to deal with everything that's coming mm. to them. Because it would just, if they're not going away, then they're just kind of piling on top of each other. Yes. Hey? You literally just, and then, then you've got to start that whole thing 
so much later in life of unpacking from the bottom or the top and yeah. getting those out. So what age can you what age do you start having these conversations with your children like I I I want to I, I want to see it right from their time they're little. Mm. Yeah. And just be able to express it to them because don't forget when a when a baby is born they're coming to the world and they see faces. They see uh, expressions on their, their people's faces that are looking at them. And then they all see, often they'll see those really happy faces and smiling at them. And then as they grow, getting older, they're watching. They're watching you all the time. They're learning. They're starting to perhaps see some uh, discontent around them you know, at times. So they're, they're watching and learning and they're expre- getting to see how uh, people are responding to them. And so they're always learning. They always know. So if you're going to say to a child, even a little one, you know, even a, I believe it, one or whatever, um, that you're happy when that little child can see your body and that, that you're really not happy, mm. they're going to get confused. That's mixed messages like from the right outset. Right from the very it? beginning. <gasps> Because they're always learn. That's how they get to know you is by observing you when their little eyes can can see and look and see how you stand and your body reactions to them, um, body reactions to other people. They're watching you all the time. They can hear. And so, so that response of how are you feeling today, Daddy? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, they, they know Daddy's not fine and that gets very confusing. Mm. So the more you can start to talk about the feelings from that from a young age, that's why I thought the book was could be for any age as you start to read to your child. You're just mm. reading about feelings from a very early yeah, age. Yeah, right. So you're really de, um, taking the power out of them in mm. a way, taking that, that kind of whole load away because feelings are just feelings and they're like yeah. a part of life and yeah. we have them and they're not good or bad. Yeah. They're just something. And the emotions are there in body reactions. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're seeing. And that, that again, another gift that you're giving is is like when, when a child comes up and says, how are you feeling, Daddy? By saying fine is like you're removing from the opportunity to actually learn and grow in that moment. To know that daddy can actually go, I'm feeling really snowed under today and I don't have time to you know, do such and such. Like I, I feel like, I mean, to me, for me, I, I feel often that I'm just covered in cobwebs mm-hmm. and it's like I can't untangle my brain from that. But, yeah, often, um, yeah, the response is, oh, look, fine. Mm. Rather than explain what that actually is, why I'm kind of short with people today mm. or, or not saying anything, maybe I'm sitting quietly, just not being my usual kind of self. And as you know, a child will go, there's something wrong with Daddy today. Yeah. I love that what you just said about the cobwebs because <laughs> the metaphor is beautiful because it would be really lovely if you could, it could say that to a child. If the, the, what's, how, uh, how, was your, how, how was your day, Dad? Mm. You have a good day, Dad? Um, no, I'm actually feeling as though my head's completely covered in cobwebs. <laughs> 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 and, and that kid's like, what? <laughs> and then you can say, I've just had so much of my mind today and I can't get my heads clear. Yeah. My head's all fuzzy at the moment. And they would fully get that, wouldn't yeah. they? Because the they'd know. They'd say, oh, you know, they'd feel that would be a really nice conversation that they could have with Dad. I 
Can I get it? <laughs> that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Yes. That is a gift. What another lovely gift. Yeah. But where, so I, I had a discussion some time ago about the concept of emotional incest where a parent is putting their, um, their emotional load onto the child. <clears throat> so where does that change? And sorry to suddenly switch that conversation from we're laughing at cobwebs to wall. Um, where does that change? Where does where does that where does that go from? This is how daddy's feeling to inappropriately. This is how daddy's feeling, and I'm dumping a load of emotional stuff onto you. Um, another thing that I often say in parenting groups is, don't need your child too much. Don't need them too much. And often, um, especially with separated parents, the child can feel as though I can't leave mummy. I've got it because mummy's going to be so sad. So that's that's not mm-hmm. beneficial for the child. It's really important for parents to be able to let the child know that they're going to be okay, that... Um, Mummy will be, be looking forward to seeing you when you get back from daddy's or whatever it is so that you don't don't need your child too much because they have to wear the burden of your pain and your sadness. Mm. And that's huge. Don't need your child. That's yes, and funny. it's very detrimental to a child, extremely detrimental. Mm. And that's a, that's a very that's a very clear distinction, isn't it? One is, and it's almost going back to, you know, when I learned to take responsibility for what I'm feeling, it's almost like it's almost like the parent saying, this is how I'm feeling and you're not responsible for that. There's nothing you need to do because of that. Mm. My head's full of cobwebs, you go and play because mm. I'm all good, I'll deal with it, I'm the grown-up. Mm. So is it like obviously children don't know when is an appropriate time to share their feelings if we're encouraging that sharing of stuff openly in 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 our family space, um, is is it something that you know we're then encouraging our children to just go to whoever and share? Like, is that a safe thing to kind of encourage your children to just share whenever and with whoever? Well, sometimes I think that um, children don't want to burden their parents with where they're at too. Age, once again, we're looking at different ages and stages of of development. However, they may choose to go to a grandparent. They may choose to go because they may feel, they may know. If if we're talking about a, a, a situation in a family where there's good communication, they they may know that, say, for example, like I said before, like, the mother has talked about the fact that dad's in hospital. Well, the child might know that they've had a good conversation about dad being in hospital. However, they may feel like something has come up for them and they don't really want to go to mum and burden her or they might feel they don't want to, might be a burden. And that's, you know, how they might feel. However, they know they could go to perhaps a grandparent and say, I'm just wanting to talk about I'm just what checking in with how I'm feeling with you because mum's a little bit, you know, not. She, I know she's she's got a bit much on her plate right now, so I am talking about, of course, 
families that have good open communication. Yeah, because you'd need to, obviously the grandparents yeah. would need to understand that that's the way their grandchild likes yeah. to talk and yeah, share. Yeah, yeah, and that, that they understand that that's, that communication mm. is open in that house. And then that can be that can be quite healthy. If the child doesn't feel as though there's anybody else, then it can always be the parent can always say, whoever you want to talk to, you know, you could you can always go to the school counsellor if you want to. If this, um, and if it's if things are getting really difficult with with um, maybe dad's health, then um, seasons for growth is great at the schools. So they can do that program, and, and then. The child at least has somewhere else to go. So to. it's really a, about identifying safe places, as, as you yes, would with any interaction with your child. Yes. Let's identify the safe places. And, you know, the older the children, uh, they can bring kids' line, mm. they can chat. Headspace so, as well. That's a, Yeah, well, Headspace is, I think, from 12 onward. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's 12. Um, but it's, they're just making sure your child knows there's other places mm. so you don't have to feel... Uh, you, you know, you're getting all the support you want. Mm. And again, we're talking about you know this could be six, seven, eight years old that that yeah. they're seven, eight they're expressing school, yeah. themselves. And, and, and then uh, most schools, a lot of schools have the Seasons for Growth program, which is a wonderful one for kids that are needing that extra support. Yeah, right. Seasons for Growth. Mm. Oh, that sounds. Yeah, and that's program. it's a school program that's rolled out. It's, it's a it's not a school program that's run in schools. A okay. lot of schools, oh. uh, some organisations run it as well. And is would you be encouraging whatever feelings are coming up for a young person, would you be encouraging to express whatever that is? I always say if a child doesn't feel as though they're in the right place with a person to express, there's always a journal writing to do, always uh, drawing. I encourage parents to just give them a book to write in and a pad and pens not for the parents to see, for the kids to see, and and if they want to share it, that's great. However, this is the child's work. This is them getting their feelings out, and then yes, it's it's a lot healthier. And uh, if that, but if they come to you and say, "I really need think I need to talk to somebody," and a lot of kids do, you know, a lot of kids know that they need to talk to somebody. Mm. So, you know, and that good. could. I, I I imagine that could trigger a lot of feelings in the person that's listening as well. Like having a child, especially if it's about that person anyway, but if it's, you know, if you can relate to that on an emotional level and that's going to bring some things up for you as well. So there's there's almost like a something need to be done there that, we're listening to our child talk to us and it's actually creating a whole load of stuff going on for us as well. Okay, that's absolutely right. And it could mean you could say to your child, thank you so much for sharing with me. I, I really appreciate where you're at. And we'll look into some, some further supports. Would you like mum to do that or dad to do that? Um, and then you know yourself that you're going to need that support as well mm. or whatever has come up for the child. And if it's if it's creating that emotional turmoil for you, then um, you can say, well, you know, I think I think mummy will go along and speak to somebody as well, mm. and just be open and honest about it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? What a great lesson! And yeah. again, another great. It's okay yeah. to um, have have a counselling session mm. about this. Thing. Yeah, because really, generationally, 
like people bringing up kids today are probably the first generation really that's like going to be considering that, that it's okay to go to counselling mm. and it's absolutely a really positive thing to go to counselling. So maybe another generation along we might actually have a whole load of young parents that it's like it's not even a question. It's like we can we can go to counselling together, we can go and do that. And I think that's, um, I was just checking the time, we run 40 minutes already. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's huge. <laughs> and we're not even halfway down. Um, the page of discussion notes that we made. Um, so I think we might we might fold this up in a little envelope for today and um, pick it up next week if that's okay. That's wonderful, Jerry. It's been really good to be able to discuss this very uh, important and part uh, uh, important discussion that I I love to have. Oh, it's, I can tell it's such a passion of it's yours, so Jan. Pa- so really. <laughs> and you mentioned your books, like, um, so where can people just, if you can let people know where they can get your books from? Um, from I, I can purchase them from my website, um, uh, au. Awesome. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jan. <laughs> <laughs>